Welcome back, Red Pills, to the Matrix Online Revisited Podcast. I am Vesuvius, and this is our eighth episode of our speculation podcast series, The Original Matrix 4, where we discuss the Matrix Online storyline and speculate as to what story elements might make it into the upcoming Matrix 4. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast for notifications on upcoming episodes. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and we're hosted at anchor.fm. Also, follow me on Instagram as that's a hub for my online exploits. I've got daily Matrix content there, as well as links to my YouTube channel and my Etsy shop, where I've got some cool real-world Matrix Online items, like beta t-shirts, beta hats, and the upcoming Burning Eye t-shirt, as well as some other cool things I've put together. But for now, enjoy Chapter 8. Agent Gray. Sir? Zion has broken the truce. No further awakenings are to be allowed. Yes, sir. Chapter 8.1, War. Cypherites discover Zion has created a new, more secure city. The architect sees this as a breach of the truce, and as a result, awakenings are no longer allowed. All-out war resumes, particularly attacking Zion's communication systems, mainframe, the new red pill recruiting process, while EPN looking to counter-offense the machines on the surface. The Merovingian controls the general sentinels in the real and has him investigate the human battery fusion energy situation. Okay, Starshwar, get us started. Holy crap, I'm still blown away by this cutscene. I didn't think they could ever top Morpheus dying, but they topped it. At the end of Matrix Revolutions, we got peace, we got everyone gets to choose, we got sunshine and rainbows basically from Sati. That was not going to last forever, and it probably lasted, what, two, three years, game time tops? Everything is, is nuts. The you know, A lot of the machine players... And Zion players, for that matter, were big into keeping the truce, and there's this whole, what do we do now? And there's a lot of finger-pointing over whether the machines were in the right to uh, to call the truce null and void because Zion built a safer city because of all this shady crap they've been doing with the Cypherites. And uh, it, I see some historical parallels here, a uh, little bit to the uh, 80s Cold War, the whole SDI thing, the idea like, wait, you're taking away mutually assured destruction, that's... Uh, and again, the you know situation with Zion machines was somewhat Cold War like, so I can see a bit of that. But more more than anything else, this has to come up in the movie in one way or the other. Either there, you know, if it's a sequel to Matrix Online, then the truce is either gone, or it has been since reestablished, and they'll acknowledge that the first years of peace there was some bad stuff that happened. Or again, if they adapt MXO as a story, the end of the truce is going to be a big deal. Okay, so the Cypherites really did kind of lead into this because they were they've been spies for a long, long time, and they were the ones that alerted the machines to, you know, the new city and Zion moving supplies out. So, Lazarus, your thoughts on the the break of the truce? Well, um, a couple things. Uh, one, you know, this is us seeing. You know, we didn't get to see a lot of the architect in the Matrix Online. Um, 
So, you know, he's one of my fa- favorite characters in the trilogy. So seeing him was, you know, always fun for me as a machinist. Um, I would definitely love to have a reference in the Matrix 4. Um, but again, you know, he's a, I think he's one of those very important characters. It, I think it's kind of hard to dodge him, but we'll see how they play it. Um, another thing, because you guys were talking about the Cypherites, but another thing, I mean, we kind of mentioned this before, but... You know, the the Merovingian has control over the general Sentinels. And I think, you know, when you're talking about, you know, Matrix Online possibilities in the Matrix 4, you know, the, the, the Merovingian having control of the Sentinels inside of the Matrix in the movie, I think is totally possible. I definitely think that's the way they can go. And there was another side note here in my notes here. Um, right, because the Merovingian is looking into the human battery fusion mm. energy situation and I thought that was, you know, real cool at the time that it was happening because, you know, this is one of those nitpicks that a lot of Matrix haters go to. Oh, how come you don't use cows in VR? You know, so this is when they when they brought it up in the Matrix online, I was like, oh, that's awesome. So if there's some type of, you know, reference to that or, you know, they want to try to like, you know, sweep that under the rug with a quick cleanup, I think that would be very cute. Yeah, I, I love that as well because there's always, you know, there's always the, you know, the physics of it that you know human beings we do not put out more energy than we consume it doesn't work that way also if the machines have fusion what the heck do they need human batteries for fusion is the biggest deal ever uh the beautiful thing about that is they have two ways out for that one unreliable narration all that comes from morpheus and not everything Morpheus said was true. I'm not saying he's a liar, but he was told things he believed to be true and repeated them. Moreover, you're assuming the laws of physics that we know are true. They, who say that's just not what the machines you know, have tabulated and co- codified and that the actual you know, real world works differently. But that's great, because you know, Zion machines actually duking it out, huge deal. Merovingian... You know, he's always been, his, you know, separate from that conflict, taking advantage for his own purposes. Looking into the, you know, the real truth, the secret, you know, because knowledge is power. And in this case, the knowledge of power will lead to more power. And just unearthing the secrets, that's usually not Merv stuff. You know, Zion, EPN, you know, what's the truth of this? What's that about? Machines sometimes play detective roles, getting to the amount of things. Merv going after the big secret, that's a unique angle, and I like that. And bravo, dude, I got to give you your props because, like, this is why I'm, like, really rocking with you, Star, because I did a whole video called Solving the Battery Problem that discussed in detail those two points that you just brought up. I brought up, you know, um, I, I went into the physics a little bit um, in terms of, like, you know, the mathematical equations in terms of what we're talking about. But, no, I mean, I'm with you. We're on the same wavelength as far as that whole human battery problem conversation goes. Morpheus has bad information and it's okay because he believes in it and it works <laughs> but he he doesn't know the full truth and and he'll tell you that in this in the in the movies he says hey man we're not exactly sure about x y and z but this is what i got about that so that i was thinking about that the other day he has i think we don't know who struck first us or them so is the second renaissance is that whole video not available in that iteration of zion See, is that this is what I'm saying. Because I, I had I, this argument with someone online, and he was saying that he thought that that was machine propaganda for Zion. And I'm like, no. Like, I quoted the exact Morpheus line you said. He does not know, and he says that we don't know, which means they are ignorant to that. I believe that 
when they say Zion Archive, this is further evidence that Zion was built by the machines, and this is where they were when they were bombarding Zero One with nuclear weapons. They were just chilling in Zion, waiting for the fire to stop, and they came out and kicked some ass. And that's where that that archive is. It's you know, it's part of the Zion Archive from Machine Zion, not Human Zion. Oh. Right. But my point is, because Morpheus doesn't seem to be aware of... Because in that, it's very explicit that that the humans struck first. I'm thinking, is that whole iteration of the Zion Archive from a previous cycle? Because it seems that that's a huge chunk of info Morpheus should have probably looked into at that point. See, I'm I'm going with... it. It's, it, it's, I guess, you know, data preserved by the machines. I guess at this point, it's probably located in the machine city. I don't think they've given humans access to that in Zion or in any of the cycles they just say okay this is the one these are the however many six people whatever we're starting the restarting the population with and your information is the prophecy of the one and those little bit of scraps that Morpheus repeats to us and they just give him that each time that's my impression oh so you're saying second renaissance is information granted at some point after the truce yes Oh man, you just blew my mind because I, to me, Second Renaissance is the ultimate prequel to the Matrix. Exactly. The idea that the information is only expounded after the end—that's perfect. I love that. Okay, so I have two thoughts. Firstly, Morpheus, I believe his quote was with a form of fusion. Yes. So you know, you could say you know, limited technology, or they didn't quite nail it, or whatever limitations. The other thing was. Um, is it is is it explicit that humans struck first, or is it is there a gray area? Because I know uh, I, I think that there's a cut scene, and then all of a sudden there's uh, machines marching on the earth. Uh, in Second Renaissance, yeah. I, I, as I recall, the sequence of events is that the first military act, as in between you know states, as you will, is the United Nations bombarding zero one with nukes again unreliable narrators left and right right that and that's fair too that That whole thing you know as much as i love second renaissance as much as that made me a machinist i've got to come to the fact that it could be complete and utter lies well i'll i would just say that maybe them striking first is b166e oh okay that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say if you want to go there you know now and to me that's the whole uh point of the trial you know, is he acting in self-defense? I mean, yeah, it was pretty brutal, but, you know, Johnny Five Alive, if you're going to kill me <laughs> and I kill you first, am I wrong or am I defending myself? All right, all right, I'm going to have to make an edit of this. I'm going to put the architect watching the short, short circuit to brutal beating <laughs> of Johnny Five, <laughs> and then that immediately leads to Agent Grey, Zion has broken the truce. Yeah, you gotta have a cut of, D- of Steve Gutenberg in there, though. He's gotta be in it. Just replace Ramakandra with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just I mean that that was a pretty interesting sidebar that we that we got off on, but we have now. Now here's my question. Okay, uh, hold on before before I pose another question, another sidebar, I'll say that um, all out war can be a good pickup point. This could be the reason why the story and the, the, the cinematic universe picks up because the piece has fizzled out. Okay, so we have some events, Morpheus dead, whatever, Let, let's take the Matrix Online as canon, and now we're going to pick up with war. 
Neo is still not around. So can this just pick up from Chapter 8 and move forward? I will, that would actually be a really interesting point to start the story at. With the yeah, they're war... not going to start with Unlimit and then start filming movies. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> all right, my, my brain just sort of kind of strangled itself for a moment there. Uh, but no, starting at 8.1 would be a, a good place if like everything up to that happened. Have the story unfolding from the perspective of a fresh red pill, no idea what's happening, and have them serve as an audience proxy getting up to speed. That could absolutely work. That, or alternatively, that could be the point Neo comes back and finds the, you know, this wasn't the deal. And uh, that, that could be a thing. That would not, would not be the worst way to start. Worst way to yeah. start would be Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of, I, I, I feel, I, is in terms of just how they're leaking the casting information, and we don't know who's who, we don't know who's good, we don't know who's protagonist, all that stuff. And like I said, with the whole, you know, multiple scheduling, Bill and Ted touring promo, uh, John Wick shooting, things that are going on. I mean, I, I almost expect us to start with someone else being the main character in that salvation. Uh, I can't remember the character's name, but um, Marcus, you know, where you have the new character kind of being the ma- main character and starting with, you know, that kind of character arc. So, um, you know, when you're talking about chapter eight and having the machine war, like you said, I I think if you're going to bring that in, it makes more sense to start with the red pill inside of the matrix. I think it's going to be hard to start from the outside and work your way back in. Um, you know, and I know, uh, Lana Wachowski is real big, or at least with the last round, you know, was trying to make it a point not to have that terminator style repackaging you know this oscillation of the same scenes over and over again so i think that's definitely a way that you can um you know outside of the matrix and you know having the machine or excuse me the truce being over the way that we had it here in 8.1 is definitely a good setup for that i've got i've got a great mental image in my head of the movie starts as a hyper compressed analog of the first act of matrix one with new red pill get you know, new would be red pill gets get you know gets suspicious gets in contact with the hovercraft crew they give him the choice here's the thing agents burst in and kill everybody just after they've taken the red pill i think that could be a really strong way of introducing that aspect of the uh, story and right, showing is over. Yeah. Because time was always against them, but they, they kind of got out of habit of that because they had this nice fancy truce to fall back on. Yeah, they might have gone lax, you know. The, the, um, awakenings were pretty much uh, permitted, and then it was started to get a little bit out of hand. They were permitted, but there were some restrictions. They had to be given a fair chance. They... Uh, had to be people who were actually questioning the Matrix. They couldn't... There was actually a subplot of the machines, like, around the time the General first showed up, where there there were, like, someone, the General, I think, yeah, his commanders, uh, were faking, at, posing as Zion operatives, sending out mass spam emails to, like, basically everyone in the city filled with the Alice in Wonderland metaphor to show, oh, Zion's overstepping their bounds. They're trying to recruit everybody. That wasn't the deal. And uh, there were some other restrictions. Uh, oh yeah, an EPN doesn't count. A one, they're trying to wake up. They're uh, they're in trouble. 
they were uh, they were outlaws. So speaking of EPN, EPN is pursuing affairs outside of the Matrix and in the real world, and that actually leads us into Chapter Eight Point Two. Uh, we ready? Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so a red pill named Danielle Wright of Wright Research, who's like a sovereign red pill, no, re- really no alignment. She creates a new secure red pill for Zion, replacing the one that was patched by the machines. The machines exploit her direct access to the Zion mainframe, which is a mystery. The machines attempt to disrupt the Merovingians' communication with commando sentinels. Wright has been developing a biological interface program that encrypts Jackin signals. The commando sentinels report clusters of humans in pods, surmising a human population of 300 million. Cypherites ram old Zion and destroy their command center along with infiltrating the Zion mainframe with a virus via Danielle Wright's compromised position in the real. Locke goes missing, and Captain Roland is promoted to commander of Zion. Okay, so Lazarus, thoughts on our developments in Chapter 8.2? Well, I'm glad you said Locke, because I always forget his character. But, um, you know, we haven't heard of that specific actor being recasted. Um, so I don't know if we're going to see him. But uh, it's funny, because the 8.2 cinematic, actually there's a portion of it that's very much in the, the flavor of the scene that star was uh, is just uh talking about in terms of having like the agents disrupt uh a zion situation right. they weren't um they weren't giving out red pills they were they were still, it was commandos yeah they were coming in guns a blazing and, and um i you know it's funny that you were just saying that i believe we all too but is that, is that is that the cutscene where we see the female agent that is in pache they're like hacking um, or something, right? They're they're in like a what are they? Right, because this is the like you said, um, they they secured the new red pill for Zion and right. She has direct access to the Zion mainframe. Uh, yeah, Danielle Wright, who who had I don't know if it had been mentioned up to this point in the story, but she was responsible for the emergency jackout, that safety net. So that you know, and the whole Wright Research you know company front thing that. that She's a sort of comes out of the shadows as a hyper influential figure uh, in the story in terms of Zion's tech, uh, but her uh, I, I'm surprised the biological interface program came up this early. I was always associated that with like really really late late in the story. They uh, they well, had if some... I remember correctly, they didn't really explain it at this point. I mean, they they no, kinda but just kind of the... dropped it. That they're even mentioning it at this early is, is is I don't remember it coming up that early. Yeah, my opinion they don't explain it very well late in the later chapters anyway, but it is mentioned. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> in fairness, they didn't finish the story. That there was gonna be more on that. That, that, that's part of why Chapter 8 for me is sort of like the last hurrah of old MXO. It's it it, it tells a story that's more or less complete. Uh, after that, it, things are set up that don't quite get, uh, fleshed out. We'll get there. But, uh, also mentioning, uh, Commander Roland, uh, taking over for Locke. You know, Roland being, you know, one of the more hardliners who wasn't, uh, on board with, uh, well, not hardliners, more of the loyalists, I should say, who wasn't on board with Morpheus and Niobe's, uh, more renegade tactics. I like the idea of him stepping up to become leader of the old guard of New Zion. That's cool. And, uh... Locke's capture 
Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, excuse me, Locke, Locke's disappearance. Uh, uh, never mind, I'm, I'm thinking about something that may or may not happen later. Well, we also do have some talk about the population. The Commando Sentinels yes. report a cluster of humans and pods, just a cluster, surmising a human population of about 300 million. And I believe if we are talking about our present day uh, Earth's population, we're at like, what, 7 billion? So... We are uh, we're quite a ways off of from that, so we're talking some energy issues here. Yes, it's it, it, it's uh, in as it, way back in cinematic one point two, Morpheus talked about the idea that you know before Neo's truce that the idea that winning the war would mean millions upon millions of deaths, and that still counts. But the there's it's you know there's way fewer human beings than we were led to believe. Morpheus said it was, you know, sort of intimated that it was the whole world was the Matrix. Now it's becoming clear and clear. It's just this city. And even then, 300 million people in one city is, is mind-boggling. But, you know, the machines have their ways. It casts more and more into doubt exactly how this whole thing is supposed to work. Right. No, actually, I was going to go, you know, we're kind of going back to the, the energy crisis situation or even defining the battery problem specifically, right? And, okay, so having that many people clustered together, there's body heat that you can harness. That's number one. Number two, um, like you said, if we're talking about just powering the machine city, um, one thing that I always go to a quote uh, from the architect in that, because, you know, they drop a lot of gems in that speech with the architect. They just throw it at you back to back and so fast he doesn't waste a line. And, you know, I think a lot of people overlook that Neo calls his bluff. He says, you can't, you need humans. And the architect replies, there are levels of survival yes. we are prepared to accept. Yes. So they, they, he always hinted that we can do other things. We don't have to keep you guys around. Yeah, that that's always been interesting. Like, again, if they have a form of fusion, even if it's crappy fusion... The machines could solve a lot of their problems by not having to deal with the human race at all and just be on low power mode. Yeah, energy saver. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, we don't. Well, here's the thing: if they don't have humans, they don't need any of the Sentinels. They can write that off the budget, and General will be really pissed then. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know if we really want to get into this, but there is another theory about why the Matrix uh, traps humans, and um, it's the memory thing which is something I don't quite understand. I just know that that's a theory out there. And now that, I, now that I'm talking about this, uh, Lazarus, I don't know if you addressed this one. Right, and, and, and actually in that video, because my, pro my only problem with it is the explanation that I understand is a rumor that the Wachowskis originally you know, had the system more complicated and it was more about the processing power of the brain and, you know, having this neural network and that the machines really needed us for that, but that the, the uh, studio said it was too complicated. And I'm not saying I don't believe in this rumor. I've just never traced the source. I don't know who leaked it. I don't know if it's true, but it definitely speaks to the point that you're making, because if that's the case, well, then, yeah, they do need humans if that's how the system is set up. Now, if you want to take it a step further and, you know, kind of go to the whole, I guess, the spiritual aspect of the one being like this Christ figure, you know, when I looked at the Matrix trilogy my first time around back when we were all playing the Matrix online and, and kind of this metaphor um, for that part of a spiritual experience, well, then I kind of looked at the machines needing humans 
not so much for their brain processing power, but for their connection to God, for their spiritual power, because they are children of man and man is, and man is supposed to be children of God. So this is the connection. They need that bridge to feel that connection to a higher power. But that's I, know, just my theory of like the religious implications that, you know, the Wachowski try not to push too much religion. That's pretty deep. Well, it's not that they're pushing religion. They're pushing religions. There's a lot of stuff from Eastern mythology in there. Absolutely. It, absolutely. It's not it, just it, Christianity. For right. Sure. It, it, and I have an idea. I have no, I have nothing to stand in here but just my, you know, my speculation. But there, there's another reason they might be keeping human beings around. Hypothetically, if they don't need us for power, if they don't need us for, for, for processing. So we actually have a, a pretty short outline for 8.3. Uh, how about I throw this out there and we just kind of continue? All right. So chapter 8.3. Zionites flee old Zion. The machines pursue a method of circumventing the auto-jackout procedure, but the me- but the Morpheus simulacrum holds the key to do so. So now, you know, Morpheus and that whole Morpheus uh, situation that we talked, that rabbit hole that we went into last time, it kind of comes back into play here. Also, I can't under. I, I think we kind of skipped our fact. Old Zion got destroyed. That's a big yeah, we, deal. We kind of overlooked that real fast. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we always. I know we we tend to kind of skip over stuff from the movies and focus more on stuff relative to the games, and that's fascinating. But yeah, Old Zion destroyed. Again, that'd be a really shocking image to start the new movie with. If if you know. You know, to show it in disrepair and wreckage and sentinels, they were like, no, 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 they stopped that. They they went, they they left, and then find it's you know, however many years later, and uh, things have changed. And also, sort of, you know, so much of the criticism of two and three is directed at scenes set in Zion, and that would be kind of a kind of an interesting symbol. Yeah, to... dude, you're on to something with that. I like that visually to to come back on that criticism. I hear you. Mild Star Wars spoilers for Episode Seven here. Is that uh? Is that yeah, sure. Anyone? I don't mind. All right. They blow up a city world in that movie that looks so much like Coruscant, and so many people who didn't like the prequels, they didn't like the Senate and the Jedi Council and all the crap that happened on Coruscant. That's like a per- similar symbol they could use here. Like, hey, remember that thing you didn't like from the last couple movies? It's gone. Hmm. Symbolic. Now, it's it, it's funny It's funny that, um, like you said, that this, this was kind of the perfect segue because, uh, you know, a lot of times when I talk about just that whole, uh, I guess, my connection to how I define spirituality and the whole um, Neo walking through, you know, the tunnels blind and he sees the light and, you know, he has this uh, conversation with the machine mainframe. In 8.3, that's the cinematic is the architect rewatching that moment. Is, and I don't is... know... It's not the architect, though. If you look, the person rewatching that moment is in the real world. You can see little sentinel-looking things around there. That's not. That's somebody else. That's some other figure in a chair with a screen who kind of looks like the architect, and that comes up later. Okay. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I. I just watched the cinematic before we um started this, so I. I was. I. I they. They pump me. Excuse me. They got me with the pump fake in real time back then too, because I thought it was the architect just because of the. Like I said, they don't show the body; you just see the hand and the screen, like it was in the movie. So I just assumed it was the architect room. I didn't know anybody else could get in there. But um, the other thing I wanted to say is right. The the Morpheus simula simulation comes back up. The simulacrum, and I think that again, the more I look at these castings and and how 
all these articles are pushing this young Morpheus narrative for Matrix Four, and I'm it really every time I see it, I'm thinking, man, Yaya is probably going to play a program version of Morpheus, like New Shell Talk. I'm, I think that could be because that doesn't go against the backpedal when they said, oh, it could be a Morpheus-like character. Well, a simulation or a program version of him that isn't the human version is a Morpheus-like character. They're not lying. That. That could also be a great moment in the movie. Have it, ha- have them believe it. You know, it's Morpheus somehow looking younger, a little like a little another actor. Have him in the purple suit. Have him do all the very Morpheus-like body language and Alice in Wonderland speeches and all that. And have it come out. Oh, by the way, this guy's not human, even though he's taken up the cause of this human and his identity. That could that could be a mind screw and lead to some Blade Runner, like, well, do, do you count? And it totally was given to us in the Matrix Online, which is what we're discussing. And I'm telling yes. you, man, every time I see it, I'm leaning more and more that way. I mean, I'm like at like 65% at this point. 65%. The rest are gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will just uh, point out that in 8.2, um, the Cypherites rammed Old Zion. It was 8.3 that they actually showed the Sentinels going in and destroying it. Okay. So that All right. That, yeah, they 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 open the door oh, yeah. basically. Yeah. But on this chapter, old Zion is done. It's it's done. The Cypherites, you know, Smith's dream is realized. Zion mainframe compromised, city's wrecked. Cypherites get a big chunk of revenge. Yeah, and they they really, you know, they cracked the case wide open because uh, again, the Cypherites, a splinter organization, you know, by, you know, a silly magician led by a silly magician is now doing everything that the machines wanted to do and never could. Again, that's an, another thing. There was, you know, there's that line in the first movie from, uh, I believe, Smith, never send a human to do a machine's job. Well, look what happens when you do. So that could be another thing you know with the machines relying more on humans to do things that they themselves may you know even though they'd never made may not be optimally suited to do yeah they lack the creativity Ooh. so we could have pro more more programs on zion's side quote unquote on zion's side and more humans on the machine side so it yes. could be quite may, the may, role may. reversal Make make the conflict deeper than man versus machine. That's been done to death. Have it be about more the more nuanced issues of how how this post war society should be organized. So, do we want to talk about the end of that uh, eight point three cinematic with Persephone and her lamenting her well, what I perceived her lamenting her relationship with the Merovingian? Is that the scene? Is that the the scene where she's reading poetry? Yes. Yes. That feels to me like leftover audio they had from some other purpose that they drew animation for. That always struck me as as out of place. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm just cynical on that front. Well, I but, uh, I would agree. Except Persephone does have subplot line. They go into this poetry thing. They have like a writing contest uh, for I think just the Merovingians. Maybe, but but like Persephone oh, yeah. does go through a, a bit of a transformation and actually. Um, uh, and a, her appearance goes through a transformation a little bit oh. later too. So, um, uh, were either of you guys Merovingian or have Mer- Merovingian alt? Yeah, it's funny you say that because this might be around the time that we 
you know, our faction started the Merovingian alt thing. It was like supposed to be, uh, you know, a sub Skynet program just to kind of get in good yes. with their side. And because, you know, they've, you know, flexed all this power with the destruction of old Zion and, and the Merovingian pulling the, the uh, general strings. So we decided to try to, you know, make nice with him. Uh, I, I had a Merovingian alt. I didn't roleplay with him or get into any events. I just had him so he could run the missions. Um, my mem- of course, eventually they all became available as archive missions anyway. But I, 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 I do remember Persephone undergoing becoming a little more melancholy, I think, would be a be- good way to describe her uh, disposition. She went, she went full goth. Yeah, yeah, she 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 starts wearing black, and she's because again, you know, if her function is related to reproduction, not not much of that going on when there's a war. Granted, there was a war back, you know, before, but maybe she got to see a side of humanity she never got to see during the couple years of the truce. Well, she she was outdated. She was an exile, so she was uh, off of that job for quite a while. And how long we really don't know, but I, I will say, like in I was gonna say, where did you where where do they drop that nugget? Well, she's in exile. She's she's not part of the machine programming. No, I meant her her previous role when she was part of the program. Oh, um, I picked that up from from one of my Merovingian alts, and I think it happens either around this period that we're talking about, the eight point three, or in in nine in chapter nine. But I do remember that, okay. and I I do remember. Uh, that that realization, like oh, like that's why she's obsessed with like romance because she. Right, that's why she wants to hook up with everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know she's like I guess part vampire, which is something I never fully understood, but I understand. Well, yeah, no, what? there's the whole succubus background and all that stuff. I I can see her as sort of a patron of the succubi, but uh, vampire, I never got that impression at all. Well, a vampire of emotions rather than of blood. Instead of sucking blood. She's sucking uh, that, emotion. That's that's something that, that I read or heard somewhere. That's more succubus than anything, I think. So, uh, no, yeah, no, I, I've definitely, I've seen the succubus thing the most. Where I would connect her to vampires would be if you go the Lilith route. You know, if you go with the, yep. you know, the story that Lilith is supposed to be the mother of vampires, well, then I can argue that the Merovingian represents the fallen angel. He's the devil. And that would make, you know, Lilith his lead succubi. Can I just interject here for just a moment? How great is it that we have two characters here? One is named after a historical dynasty. The other is named after a Greek mythological figure. And we're still looking for deeper historical and mythological connections for the both of them. That's only Matrix has that. Yeah, only the Matrix can layer things that that many times i mean and you peel away and peel away and then you go man i'm not even at the pit of this thing yet i just got off the skin i'm just now getting to the juice i, I we're talking you know, persephone that's a very clear-cut greco-roman myth reference and you're going into you know judeo-christian mythology of lilith that's that's incredible and, and that goes back to what we we're talking about before how it wasn't just christian symbolism that's that it, it's a little bit of everything and the way that things can fit and weave, this is why I say, you know, this is why I encourage people to watch it themselves and try to solve the puzzle for themselves because there are so many different layers that you truly can take away from it what you want to take away from it. And I think the magic of that is that the design came from, okay, let's try to take those things that 
the elements that we can't quite explain, you know, the inexplicable and make that part of this thing. And by doing that, it forces the audience member to come up with their own answers. So, you know, I might I might be totally left field with it. They might not have had any idea about that, but because of how it's set up, it still works. There's the whole death of the author thing that they're in the the artistic intention of the creator only goes so far, and after a certain point, it belongs to the audience's imagination. Well, I think that that was intended with the Matrix. They they said they stated that outright that the re- revolutions was supposed to be up to the the viewer to interpret. Again, that's I think part of what makes the series so special to us and to other fans. There's so many action series, sci-fi series even, that are very, very clear-cut in what happened and what it meant. Matrix, it's always been about perception and choice. It only makes sense that uh, you should choose to perceive it in your own way. And and to your point, the one that, I, I don't know if, if it was a Craig conversation, but I do remember you reminding me, because I always forget because I'm such a fan, that, yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. rejected the second and third one. You know, a lot of people fell in love with the first one because it's exactly what you were just talking about. In some ways, it was following the formula of action movies. Yes, it brought an element that made you question things and and see things a different way. And it could unlock parts of uh, how you analyze things. But the story was still the typical action story arc that followed the rules. And then two and three come in and Animatrix come in and the Matrix Online come in and totally change the rules. I wouldn't say Matrix was a typical action movie it 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 had a lot of trappings of one but but it it brought sort of an art house sort of philosophical angle that really hadn't been done before at least in a big budget movie like that oh absolutely in a a big budget mainstream marketed action movie uh i guess what i meant more so just in the 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 character development and more specifically the very basic the machines are bad. Right. People are good. Right, and you know, that's it. Th- it stops there. And there, there's still some mysteries, like what's the deal with the Oracle? We'll get to that later. But you know, there's you know, there, there's some very clear-cut archetypes. You know, the mentor, the traitor. Things things get a more complicated in two and three. Right, because in the in the first Matrix, we don't know that the Oracle's a program yet. Well, well, do we? It, it's we there's something odd there's something there's something we don't know about her because this morpheus says she's very old and has been with him since the beginning of the resistance he says it's uh 2199 or so he believes the, yeah, that's what he thinks that like he said but we placard, honestly don't know there's that placard in the uh nebuchadnezzar that has a date i forget what it is but 2069 oh man you, you you're on fire with that so again there, there's there's there, again. There, there's still on the first movie. You're you're not meant to to know fully what's going on. And I, I'd still say even in hindsight, after having all this supplementary mm-hmm. material, there's still a few things in the first movie I'm not 100 percent on. And it, since you brought up the 2069 and the 2199 conversations, I've been, you know, going back and forth about this a long time. But I think, I think, if we're going to say that there's five versions of the one before Neo. And you're going to let's assume that when Morpheus is in the cave speech and he says for 100 years, let's assume that each Zion cycle is 100 years. Then it's probably closer to twenty six ninety. There's so many factors that we can't possibly know. Right. 
Exactly. We don't know exactly when the war started. They never we tell do, us. We don't, no, we don't know that. We don't know if all cycles are uniform in length or if there's some other exactly. criteria. We can't they're say that they're all 100 years long. Right. Is it, exactly. is it the pop, what's the threshold? Is it the population of Zion? Is it the emergence of the one? Is it, is it the emergence of whatever Smith is? Yeah, that's a you good know, point. And that's another thing, too. That's right. That's another thing, too, you know, um, that I think um, is overlooked. You know, Morpheus says, you may have been looking for me for a couple of years, but I've been looking for you my entire life. So, like, to your point, I mean, we don't know. The first one might have found his Morpheus the first day. It might have taken him 30 years. I mean, we don't really know. And, uh, again... All that's overridden by the architect. Unreliable narration left and right. There there could be so much of that that's still not true. Yep, that's also fair. Like I said, for me personally, in order for it to make sense, I have to believe that if, because of the balance thing, you know, when I don't see something directly answered, I look to the opposite. Was the opposite answered? And we know... That the Oracle is down to lie to you about shit. Excuse me, I'm trying to keep it PG so we don't get <laughs> down boosted in terms of uh, the video. But uh, well, we're talking yeah, about we R-rated that... movies, so I don't think that should affect <laughs> it too much. And we're far into it. I think it's only the first minute, first 15 minutes they flag it. But um, yeah, I, you know, we know that the Ar- Oracle she created the the, the lie that is the prophecy of the one. So we know that she's not going to keep it straight with you. Whereas I want to believe that the opposite of that with her saying that. You know, the architect can't see past his math, that his math is absolute. I want to believe that he's the one machine that has his arrogance will not allow him to lie. He doesn't need to. He doesn't feel like he has to lie. I feel I have to believe that to make the rest of it work. I can I can get behind that. If you don't mind me just sort of hyping up the next chapter a little bit. We have had a main story character die. We have had superheroes. We have had monsters made of flies. We have had the end of the truce. Next chapter, that's when things get weird. <laughs> well said, well said. So. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> weird stuff on the horizon. <laughs> okay, so we have planted some seeds, so our listeners will be able to uh, hopefully pick up as we as we uh, move along into Chapter 9 and beyond. Uh, closing thoughts, Lazarus. No, I think that was a good lead. Like he said, I mean, I think chapter nine, things start getting strange. And a lot of that has to do with the politics and behind the scenes. But, you know, I think I think we uh, capped up chapter eight pretty well. Again, chapter eight is, is is where it hits the fan. It's where where the the established order is gone. The truce is gone. Trust issues between Zion and machines have become war. Trust issues between Zion and EPN, between uh, cypherites and machines not everyone's on board with everything that's happening chaos is ensuing merovingian pursuing answers to the biggest questions ever where could this possibly go next and all stuff that is completely ripe for exploration in the movie either as the plot or as something reflected on as part of its backstory all right folks tune in next time Hey, Red Pills, just wanted to thank you again for listening to the Speculation Podcast and let you know that if you're interested in going back and rewatching The Matrix, Metalogic, Frack, and I did a super fan commentary for The Matrix Part 1 
from the perspective of The Matrix Online. It's hosted in the same place that you can find this podcast. It's just a much earlier episode. You can sync it up by watching the movie, or you can listen to it with the movie dialogue in the background, so you can kind of listen on the go. And speaking of leading up to The Matrix 4, I'd like to put together a collection of some of our predictions for The Matrix 4. So if you would, record who you are, what server you played on, let me know what your predictions are for The Matrix 4, and send the audio to my email address, vesuviusmxo at yahoo.com, and I'll put that on the final episode for the Speculation Podcast.